Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGM Radio, episode number 312. It's been a while. Brandon and I have not recorded since the day after the Super Bowl. Took a little uh, hiatus. Unintentional, but a little unintentional hiatus from the podcast here. But we're back. I'm back, personally, from Indianapolis. My name is Jimmy Kemsky from fairlyvoice.com. The aforementioned Brandon is Brandon Lee Gowton of bleedinggreennation.com. Uh, and this is, I think I already mentioned, maybe not already, PGN Radio episode number 312. Brandon, how have you been doing the last couple of weeks? Jimmy, much needed time away, I think, from the grind. Uh, obviously, we're still covering the Philadelphia Eagles daily for Bleeding Green Nation. There hasn't really been a break. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not, I mean, relatively, <laughs> relatively, there has been, um, uh, you know, and look, uh, We'll record weekly moving forward. There's a lot of stuff to get to, but sure. honestly, like all the Eagles podcast, I think didn't really like record, or at least for them, a lot of them did not record. Like, you know, uh, I think there was some some uh, time needed away as a little breather from the Eagles losing the Super Bowl. And, uh, but it's a long season, too. Long season. They out of that 18th game, make us work yeah. an extra week. Come on. I'm kidding. Of course, we have great jobs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was long season, long season. Uh, 18 weeks of a regular season. And then the playoff run, of course, the, the, you know, lead up to the Super Bowl was a lot of work. And, uh, once that was over, I think a lot of us were like hoping to tune out, but then you know, like, you look at the calendar and it's like, oh crap, man, the NFL combines like, like in a week and a half, like, come on, give me a break. Well, also, uh, um, the, <laughs> since we recorded how long it's been February 13th, I believe, um, we, I think we recorded before the Eagles even lost Jonathan Gannon and Saint Steichen. Right, so right. It's, it's been a while. Things have happened, and we'll get into those coaching updates and and other things as we go through the combine and get closer, really, to NFL free agency. Only a couple of weeks away here, but before we do, Jimmy, we have some important, probably the most important development to get into, uh, which is righteous felon craft jerky. RightToSellin.com, discount code BGN15. As you astutely noted in the NFL PA survey that was put out on Wednesday, the Eagles got high marks in the quote-unquote nutrition category mm-hmm. as voted on by Eagles. Led the league. Led the league. And, hey, guess what's part of that nutrition is the Righteous Felon Craft Jerky Snacks. So That's right. It is not only do Eagles players have it and eat it, but they like it, presumably. And it's probably fair to say that grade is based entirely just on that. So go to RightToSellin.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order today, helping 
support them help support BGN Radio. Uh, it's actually a valid point because when you're when you get an A in nutrition and that kind of thing, it does show that the team isn't putting crap right. into these players' bodies, exactly. and not every team like graded highly in that across the NFL. So it's there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for the Eagles cafeteria too, which is awesome, which we mm-hmm. used to have access to, but no longer do. Uh, but but yeah, certainly uh, they're not just uh, feeding their players garbage. So I think it is a valid point that you know they are the Eagles, as we've noted over and over again on the podcast. They serve righteous felon craft jerky to their players outside the weight room, um, and yeah, they're not just feeding them anything. So um, grab yourself some. There you go. All right. Jimmy, the Eagles have two new coordinators. They, I guess we should start with the offensive coordinator. Shane Steichen is gone. Yep. Leaves to join the Indianapolis Colts as their head coach. The weird cycle of the Eagles lose Frank Reich, and then the Eagles take Nick Sirianni, and then Nick Sirianni uh, or Frank Reich is fired, and <laughs> Steichen goes to Indy. Um, very strange, but nevertheless, uh, you know, I think the Eagles are going to miss Shane Steichen to some extent, obviously just because of how good the offense was and, you know, the play calling is part of it. Um, They have a new offensive coordinator who is Brian Johnson, who is their quarterback's coach who got promoted. I think that was always kind of the plan, uh, the succession plan. Brian Johnson has multiple years of experience as an offensive coordinator dating back to college at Utah, at Mississippi State, and most recently at Florida. And, uh, you know, uh, I think my impression of Brian Johnson in terms of being near him and, and knowing as much as I know about him personally uh, was he's really impressive. When we heard from him in training camp last year, we had a uh, like kind of a now he wasn't at the podium, but he was, you know, one of these little media scrums. And um, just I thought just a genuine, uh, you know, answered questions openly and honest. And that's not everything. You can't just like base everything off of a, a press conference. But uh, I, I thought he carried himself pretty well. thought he was pretty impressive. And, um, and obviously you look at the results uh, of the Eagles offense slash uh, Jalen Hurts' development. And I feel like you have to also look at how so many teams were interested in him as offensive coordinator. And uh, I think that was the logical hire. Yeah. I mean, even for, I mean, for, forget the, uh, the, the interview sessions, which again, I agree, like he was totally impressive in those. Je- the proof is in what Jalen Hurts has, has turned into as a quarterback I mean, you look back even before just this season and the, you know, our, our perceived flaws of his, of his game, you know, like uh, going through all of his reads, uh, the accuracy, um, the arm strength, not as much, but, um, you know, can he throw to all uh, parts of the field uh, when he was previously just kind of looking, remember, remember that was a big thing when he was always just looking to the right side of the field and then like that's gone, Uh, you know, using the middle of the field, using the left side of the field and mechanics. um, I don't know if you uh, watch the, what's his name? The former school. uh, Yeah. QB school. What's his name again? Uh, Oh, can't remember. I wanted Uh, to say McLeod Bethel Thompson, but I know it's not that it's not him. No, Uh, I I should know this because I watch his videos all the time, but it's the QB school. He goes through and evaluates quarterback play and a common theme in, in the Jalen Hurts videos that he's done JT are the mechanics of JT O'Sullivan. Thank you. Um, are, are, are Jalen Hurts' mechanics, uh, his footwork, his throwing uh, from, 
you know, a good base and, uh, you know, his, his, his progressions from receiver one, two, three, et cetera, um, always has very glowing things to say about Hertz in that regard. And some of the credit for all that should go to Brian Johnson, who, uh, Nick Sirianni praised as a great teacher, uh, beyond just what he feels he can be also as, you know, a game planner, a schemer, uh, an in-game play caller, which he'll do, by the way. Nick yes. Sirianni is not going to change that dynamic. Uh, Shane Steichen, of course, began play- calling plays for the Eagles at some point, you know, roughly around the middle of the 2021 season and has continued to do so through until, uh, you know, through the entirety of the 2022 season. So uh, those responsibilities will go to Brian Johnson. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it was that was there was never any any doubt that uh, that he was going to be the offensive coordinator because there were no reports of them even interviewing anybody. Whereas there was a new defensive coordinator interview being reported like every day almost. Um, they did uh, they did interview <laughs> Nick was Nick was asked if they interviewed <laughs> anyone and he was like and they have to so they have to at least interview one minority candidate even for coordinator positions they they instituted that i believe in 2021 as an addition to the rooney rule and nick couldn't even like i'm sure he knew the guy's last name but he didn't want to pronounce and i don't want to mispronounce it either it's like, yeah, they, 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 <laughs> something like that yeah you, you know that guy his name's nate he was the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. So I gotta say, <laughs> like you know, Nick, buddy, like, if you're trying to make it look like a legit interview after the fact, you probably should know how to say the guy's last name. If, like, yeah, what if you hired him? Well, it would look a lot worse if they just promoted some white guy from in house. If they, you know, oh for sure, if he answered that question that way, of course. But you know, they they did hire an African American, of course, in Brian Johnson to be to fill that role. Uh, actually, all three of their coordinators now. Are yeah. um are minorities and Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator, um, Sean Desai is of Indian descent, defensive coordinator Michael Clay, of course, is African American. So, uh, go and there's a little side note here, but if they're to lose any of those um coordinators to head coaching jobs in the future, mm-hmm. of course, they got nothing in return for losing Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen to the Cardinals and Colts, respectively. Uh, but if they were to lose Brian Johnson or Sean decide to head coaching jobs going forward, they'll get a pair of third round picks in return uh, for either, you know, of those guys leaving. You get a pair of third round picks if you lose any one, you know, coach to a head coaching or general manager position. Uh, and the idea of that is they want teams to uh, do a better job of grooming mm-hmm. and developing uh, minority right. candidates and decide my understanding would count toward that. Um, yeah, it's minority slash, as, I believe, women. Yeah. yeah. Robert Sala, for example, is an African-American, but he counted toward that when the Niners lost him to the Jets head coaching mm-hmm. job. So um, in addition to the plethora of compensatory picks, we'll get to this in a bit, but the, the plethora of compensatory picks they're going to get in 2024 for all the free agents they lose this offseason, you know, that's maybe uh, the, these – Coaching losses serve in sort of the same way as compensatory or they operate in sort of the same way as compensatory picks. And they may have some of those on the horizon. Of course, you don't want to lose your offensive and defensive coordinators too often because then you're left with, you know, maybe not a great coaching staff after after a while. But uh, at least they have that. uh, uh, They they won't be happy to lose those guys, I'm sure, if they do their jobs well. Uh, but in the short term, if they are hired to become head coaches down the line, then they will have done a good job 
theoretically over the you know over the duration of their Eagles career and the Eagles coaching staff evidently and and their front office staff is appealing to other teams around the league seeing as teams poach yep. you know from either one of those sides uh seemingly each and every year um I forget how my part of the talking began here but uh I thought I think it was a perfectly fine hire as you mentioned with with Brian Johnson and um you know more promotions led to that. We'll get to Alex Tanney in a bit. Uh, but what are your thoughts initially on the Sean Desai hire? Well, just to tie a bow on Brian Johnson, uh, you know, obviously going from quarterbacks coach to play callers, it's a different thing, different skill set. And I, that's where I think the Eagles, you know, could miss Steichen just because of how good the offense was and how he seemed to be mm-hmm. adept at that. Um, I have reason to believe Brian Johnson could be good at that. But we'll see. Uh, proof is in the pudding, as you, if you may. Uh, also, yes, I think that touching on the diversity point, very important, considering he is their first black offensive coordinator ever, uh, I believe. Oh, is that right? Okay. And then their first black coordinator, period, since 1998, I believe. So, you know, that's kind of something that was probably overdue. Um, so uh, you like that. Um, also, kind of want to attach to this that uh, Marcus Brady was promoted basically from consultant uh, after being hired by the Eagles in season last year to um, what is it his title now it's a senior offensive assistant so you know he's someone Mm -hmm. that's in the pipeline and I think that's important to mention with the Brian Johnson promotion because now you have someone potentially in the pipeline in the future if Brian Johnson moves on well Marcus right. Brady called plays for the Colts. Obviously, he got he was the offensive coordinator yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, last year. yeah. He, he, got, he got fired. He got fired along with Reich. Sorry, yes. Um, and well, actually, I think he got fired a little bit before, but you know, scapegoated. Oh, did he? Okay, in my opinion. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't. Anyway, um, you know, but the point is, they have some. You know, they they, they continue to stock the pipeline. I think that's important. I think uh, it's important also to kind of compare contrast these hires to 2018 after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It's a big point mm-hmm. of contention and criticism, I, at least I can say from me, was that the Eagles didn't really, uh, at least publicly, uh, do enough to stock the pipeline. Like you lost John Filippo and you lost Frank Reich. And mm-hmm. I like you can't control that. You're going to lose those guys. The, what you can control is what you do after that and how you respond to that. And they just promoted Mike Rowe, who didn't really have that impressive of a resume, in my opinion. Right. And and I believe that before you know, the results bore out of him being an offensive coordinator. And same thing with Press Taylor and obviously the relationship with Carson Wentz. That was something we yeah. talked about a lot. Um, so I think it's important that, you know, you bring Marcus, uh, Marcus Brady into the building and he's here. And you promoted Alex Taney, who uh kind of quietly went from playing for the New York Giants in 2020 to just joining the Eagles coaching staff like a week or so mm-hmm. after a week a couple weeks later and now is the Eagles quarterbacks coach um uh and and young he's he's only 36 still very young staff that they have here uh but to answer your question about Sean Desai you know I thought he was the strongest Eagles defensive uh coordinator candidate remaining really mm-hmm. you know we saw Jim Leonard mentioned he was intriguing but he got ruled out. Apparently, it's it's kind of funny to see he had back injury or like something a like hip that. or yeah, something. It's yeah. it's kind of funny to not funny as in like <laughs> uh, making light of his pain, but or you know healing process, but funny as in like an injury preventing a, a coaching right. hire. Um, but, <laughs> right. but certainly that's a factor. It sounds like he might take a year off and try to you know get healthy, uh, so he can get back into things. Uh, and also 
some other candidates that came up, uh, Jesse Minter from uh, Michigan, thought that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. considering he filled in for uh, Mike McDonald, who had went to the Ravens last year and, and that Harbaugh connection. Um, and then uh, wasn't so... Vance Joseph. Uh, Vance Joseph was not really interested in him, honestly. And uh, Chris Shula as well, also not interested in him. I thought Desai... Uh, and then uh, Glenn Schumann from Georgia, their co-defensive coordinator, but like too inexperienced, honestly, like just didn't really have, like, he only, he got into coaching like relatively not too long ago and, and hasn't really, I, I just think Sean Desai makes the most sense from, he has that year of defensive coordinator experience. He's worked with a lot of different defensive minds in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You talk about obviously Vic Fangio, that's the most notable one, right. but Chuck Pagano, Mike Pettin, who is rumored for Jeff Mosher to uh, potentially be in line to join the Eagle staff in some capacity. And that would kind of be a nice pairing there in terms of Desai being a little bit more green um, and Pettin working with Desai uh, in Chicago and kind of being able to kind of lean on someone who has that defensive coordinator experience, at least leading up to the games into the weeks. And then uh, Mel Tucker as well. So uh, I think the fact that Desai was in Chicago in 2013 when Mark Tressman got up. And, like, I, that name blew me away. I was like, wow, like, we're going back to Mark Tressman. And the fact that right, he, yeah. he was able to last so long uh, through multiple coaching staffs, including John Fox, including Matt Nagy, um, and only got replaced last year when Matt Eberflus came in. But then quickly found, uh, you know, a associate head coach role with Pete Carroll, right. who I think knows a thing or two about defense. Um, I think he, he there's some good signals with him. Uh, what do you make of him? Yeah, everything you said is is uh, the point that I was going to make, like where he he, fi- he survived a bunch of firings in Tressman and Fox. And um, Eberflus was a defensive-minded head coach, so he was going to, you know, have his yep. own system in there. And his system wasn't, you know, really the same as – Decide so that you know that was sort of the definitive end point of his time as the def- he only was the defensive coordinator one year there, uh, but he got a couple promotions along the way. Uh, but it's a good sign. Like you look at like you equate that to the Eagles, the guy that has sort of survived a bunch of firings in Philly is Jeff Statland. That's a great point. <laughs> you know and, we're not going to compare Daly those previously two. too. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so you know um, I think that's a good sign. And the the one year that he was the defensive coordinator. I believe the Bears were just off the top of my head. I believe they were sixth in yards allowed, and in the teen now, like low twenties maybe in points allowed. And their DVOA, I believe, was thirteenth. Um, their offense sucked ass yeah. <laughs> that year. Like they were like you know low twenties in all three of those uh, categories: points, yards, DVOA, and you know, we saw, sort of saw the uh, the the Matt Nagy era go down in flames uh, in Chicago, and Desai was essentially a victim of that, as opposed to um, you know sort of a, uh, a a cause of it. And um, uh, I guess he did have decent players still in mm-hmm. Chicago. Like you look at that Chicago roster now, and it is maybe the worst roster in the NFL. Then he still had uh, Khalil Mack. Uh, he had a, a different version of the Robert Quinn uh, that we saw in Philadelphia this year. He got the version that had 18 and a half sacks. Uh, they still had Roquan Smith. Um, the secondary wasn't great, but they, they uh, uh, who's the guy that was producing interceptions year after year there? He was still playing at a decent level. Which position? Or whatever. Safety. Oh, um, Eddie Jackson? Eddie Jackson, yeah, was, was you know, producing a bunch of interceptions there for a while. But so he, he at least had talent to work with uh, to some degree. 
uh, unlike that team now. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, I, I thought he it looked just by looking at the numbers alone uh, and not having we'll get more context on sort of what he was as a coach uh, as we have more time to sort of study him and, and what he did that one year with the Bears. Uh, Pete Carroll spoke glowingly of Desai, uh, you know, in in his podium session at the Combine. Uh, of course, what is he? What else is he going to do? Is he going to say that guy sucked? No, but you know, I, I think you know what he actually said about him uh, in, in terms of you know he knew the, he knew he was going to lose him very quickly. It was just kind of like a one year thing. It was just kind of a, a soft landing spot for Desai after he you know he had been let go by the Bears and they knew they were going to lose him because he's a very talented coach. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they made the right call here among the guys that they did interview. Uh, he was the most compelling candidate to me. You mentioned the uh, the Vic Fangio point. I think if the Eagles don't make a long playoff run, Vic Fangio is their defensive coordinator right now uh, because he consulted for the Eagles uh, throughout the season in 2022. It became you know sort of a story during the playoff that he helped the offensive side of the ball uh, with sort of their preparation for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But yeah, he's a guy that that you know was. The way that they put it was he's kind of on speed dial for the Eagles this season. I think it was a little bit more than that. Uh, but yeah, he did work in some capacity with the Eagles this year. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, had they been eliminated by the Giants, LOL, <laughs> or the 49ers uh, during their playoff run, that he would have been their defensive coordinator. So in Desai, they they got a guy that worked directly under Fangio for four years in Chicago from 2015 to 2018 Tommy had a good post about Tommy Lawler uh, eaglesblitz.com had a had a good post about Desai um, showed you know him in an interview like five six minutes long I think that's worth checking out just so you can get an idea of his personality uh, and he made the point that you know he's not just going to try to be Vic Fangio he's his own guy he's going to bring his own personality uh, thoughts and and uh, schemes to to his defense and and whatnot, but the base uh, defense will defense will look similar to that of Vic Fangio's, which I think the Eagles were already sort of looking to to be. And the uh, you know the the interesting thing too is that's not like the system that Jonathan Gannon grew up in. Like he was more of a disciple of Mike Zimmer, and I think they the Eagles kind of always wanted their defense to emulate uh, more Vic Fangio. Uh, but anyway, the, the that that's the hire, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And there's a decent chance that it's an upgrade over the oft maligned Jonathan Gannon, of course. That said, um, you know, natural regression is coming for this this Eagles defense from a standpoint of turnovers, and then the players they lose. So you know, I just want to. I said to RJ in the mixtape this week, I want to get out in front of this as others have. Like, I don't want to hear. Well, oh, the Eagles missed Jonathan Gannon because the defense isn't as good this year. No, it's like not about that. Um, I mean, there is a scenario, you know, where if Desai is a disaster, sure, but I don't, I'm not really anticipating that. And I don't think that's a reasonable expectation. I also don't like, I don't think, I don't know if this is a big thing, but I've seen some people out there being like, oh, is Desai just another Gannon because of Fangio and everything? Like, no, they're, they're different people. I do think the Eagles have a general idea. Uh, of what they want on defense. And I think Sirianni's comments have kind of alluded to that. So, you know, I don't think it's like decides coming in and it's a radical overhaul of what the completely of what they're going to do. But I also don't think it's going to be a, a, a carbon copy of, you know, just what they have done. I think it's something in between that. 
Um, I did want to give some more context to the size defense in 2021. Well, first of all, that was just a whole lame duck year for the Bears as a as a whole. Like to me, and I think to many, it was very clear that Nagy and Pace should have been fired before the 2020. Like they, they rode out one year too long, very clearly. And also in that season, when you talked about uh, how the Bears offense was terrible, they ranked second in giveaways. They were only behind the Giants at 30. Bears had 29. They were tied to the Panthers uh, and the Jags at 29. So, you know, that's they were put in bad spots is the point, the defense, uh, often. Um, uh, also, uh, there were some injuries to that Bears 2021 team. I was talking to uh, Lester Wiltfong from Windy City Gridiron, and he was talking about how Khalil Mack, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, and Danny Trevathan were all banged up that year. Um, and he said, despite that, you know, he, he kind of made chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, uh, for the most part. So definitely a positive impression, I would say, in Chicago. And then talking to Mookie Alexander from the uh, greatly named Field Goals, SB Nation Seahawks blog. Um, you know, it's, he said, it's, obviously, you know, I was I was talking to Mookie. I'm like, I know it's probably tough to kind of uh, parse how much decide des- deserves credit for uh, the defense with such, you know, ambiguity when it comes to these assistant coach titles. Um, but he had some interesting points that it's actually, you can read it on an article on bleedinggreennation.com. Um, but uh, you, you mentioned Pete Carroll thinking highly of him and um, uh, some of the different things, the tweaks that uh, Desai did. You could see some of his influence. And, and the, the thing, I guess, that stood out, if anything, was a uh, more nickel-heavy approach and also the development of a player like Tariq Woolen, um, who's taken on day three and, um, you know, Desai having a background working with defensive backs, you know, there's Kobe, there's Bryant, Kobe as well. Bryant as well. So there's something to be said, I think, for how those players and Desai's, you know, experience in that field. So overall, again, I think it's a thumbs up kind of move, uh, especially to your point about like they didn't have Fangio available to them in part because they had such a long run into the postseason. It's not like you, when you're making this deep of a run, you're not necessarily going to have like your pick of the litter when it comes to these coaches. So the fact that they got so late into the process and they were able to get decent uh, replacements, I think relative to that time too, uh, I think they did well for themselves. And I agree from a standpoint of, um, you know, you said being an upgrade on Gannon, uh, at least from a standpoint of, the critical thing that has become, I think, inarguably clear that Jonathan Gannon can relatively give you what your talent level has, especially against not good quarterbacks. But you just you can't tell me that there's like a championship ceiling with him because at some point you're going to have to go up against an elite quarterback, and there's just no evidence that he can kind of even keep them to like a reasonable performance as opposed to like an all time as our good friend Shu Kapati has been talking about uh, on his podcast, uh, the Philly special uh, that like, it's not just like, it's not as simple as, Oh, that's just what Mahomes does. He does this to every team. No, he doesn't do this to every team. He's very good. Yes. But the kind of game he had was like an 87 percentile. Like it's like all time kind of game from him. And I think you need your defensive coordinator who's in charge of a unit with so much talent do a little bit better than that. What's up, gentle listeners? Rachel Privet here. Jimmy Kimsky and Brandon Lee Gowton did experience some technical difficulties right after they finished discussing this topic, and they were unable to finish recording this episode. 
We do apologize. It was out of our control. They plan to pick things back up in the next episode of BGN Radio if things are still relevant and still timely, of course. But we apologize for this. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being understanding.